in the multiverse. You can live up to your ultimate potential. What's happening? You discovered a way to temporarily link your consciousness to another version of yourself. Accessing all the memories and skills. It's called first jumping. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you may be your only chance of stopping it. It's crazy! Everything, everywhere, all at once. So, rewatching it today. Any new revelations? No, I I was like not paying attention to it. I don't know how you rewatched it, but I was just here at my computer station working. I kind of did the same thing. And off to the side, and you, <laughs> it's indecipherable without. It's like it's a visual movie through and through. Yeah, very weak dialogue. Not a lot of like dialogue all the way through. Um, lots of squelching sounds like that comes through like pretty hard. Squelching. Oh yeah, like you know, like dildos shaking or just yeah, oh a lot of, yeah yeah, a lot of sound design. That scene in particular, yeah. So I didn't really get much out of it on the, on the rewatch. <laughs> honestly, I'll be honest, I I didn't really get much out of my rewatch either, and I think that's I think that's partially due to the the not real time of day that I gave it, but I, I think it's also just like not as strong of a movie as everybody wants it to be yeah i agree i i, I don't like I, this movie at all I, i'm kind of offended by it that I, I feel like it's such a waste of time that it just doesn't grab my attention i have so many issues with it let's talk about it let's talk about these all these issues okay i did take notes i did that much okay um here's one that jumps out at me okay it drags for like 80 percent of the movie i mean it is a it is a real slog to get through I mean, it basically, like, in my mind, just bird's eye view, there's, like, the beginning section of the movie where things are getting set up, and then it goes crazy, and then it's, and then I can't, like, break it down to any more level of detail than that. It's such a, like, barrage of images and action yeah. sequences. Yeah. It feels, like, not well-structured. It is sort of, like, is, as far as setting itself up, it takes a really long time to do that first of all, to, like, really get to the meat of what's going on. I guess the whole movie is sort of of a a progression in that way. It's just, like, building up to, like, the ultimate, uh, like, power-up that Michelle, you, like, experiences, right? She goes, like, full Neo at the end. And it's really sort of, like, up its own ass about, like, how much I care about, like, the progress from point A to point B. Yeah. You know, it spends a lot of time, like, explaining to me how the whole, like, multiverse thing works. And I just don't care. Uh, well, I feel like, like it's, a... it's, it's, it's not an interesting enough uh, lore for me to really, like, sink my teeth into, like, the mechanics of it. Right. Like, I'm, I'm normally in sci-fi type of movies or, like, you know, mind-bender type of movies, whatever you want to call it. I'm totally, like, game to, like just nerd out on whatever yeah, yeah, it is yeah. regardless of how stupid it is but this movie is is like an exception to that rule like i just couldn't care less about how it works well i feel like the movie doesn't really take itself too seriously as far as like the sci-fi elements because it, it pulls mm. this kind of flip card by the end where it's like well actually all of this was about family 
and you're like oh, yeah. okay so you didn't really care about the sci-fi concepts like yeah. throughout it is sort of like just a big jokey movie like it the whole movie is is a joke on purpose and like it's it sort of has the effect of like it's not a comedy per se i mean it, it is like a, a comedy i guess but the the movie is better described as like one big singular joke mm-hmm. and i think it's like it's like when you go to a comedian if you like a comedian and you've seen him like multiple times you'll hear like the same material again and it's never the same like after hearing it once already uh-huh. and i think on my second viewing i just like don't care like i don't i get the joke yeah. and i'm over i'm over it <laughs> yeah it, it, it's worse on the second viewing but it's really monotonous really really monotonous yeah also seemed to be i realized uh a movie that was like better taken in like in a theatrical environment yeah like i saw it with like a group of people and everyone like reacted to it but like sitting at home alone in like my basement like watching it i'm like this is dumb i agree i agree um yeah so we're kind of on the same page here not to say that i didn't like that that first theater experience that i had thoroughly positive i mean yeah yeah i i had the same thing yeah but i had a lot of the same simmering thoughts at that time too where i was like i don't know if this really came together as something that i enjoyed it was very like the whole point of it is like this multiverse kind of narrative structure but in practice all that means is it's just like it feels like a montage like just it's constantly switching from like different clips throughout yeah and that's so exhausting yeah yeah it's it i have a way that i i'm trying to like explain it do you know like in a marvel or like an action movie like towards the climax of the end there's usually like a five to ten minute segment of the movie where it's just continuously like flipping through all the characters and what they're doing or like a stranger things episode where you're like at the finale yeah. episode where it's just constantly it's like okay all the, these all the splintering timelines or right. all the, the subplots that are all happening simultaneously and, and, and it's just cycling through them and you're kind of like progressing slowly i'm just like moving my finger right now you're like okay this storyline move it forward an inch go to the next one move it forward an inch and you're just doing con- this like for 30 minutes and that's i always think that's like the worst thing to experience yeah when watching stuff and this whole movie is feels like that yeah that's a that's a that's a pretty good way of putting it actually it i don't know this movie it's i i was more forgiving of that because i was familiar with the two guys um the directors um more so for their music videos Uh uh-huh didn't they do like swiss army man that like daniel radcliffe movie (laughs) where he's like a dead guy you yeah, I haven't seen about? it, but yeah, I, I've heard about them. I, I listened to a podcast interview with them, and they were describing it. I'm like, this is a weird concept. Was it like, I th- it was probably like the A24 podcast, because I think I listened to that same thing, because it's, it's them and Daniel Radcliffe, if I remember right. Nah, I listened to the Mark Maron interview. Oh, okay. Well, in, in any case, uh, I listened to a podcast about it, and I, I think I learned all I needed to about that movie in that interview which is to say i don't need to watch it at all uh so that aside the the other two things like the 
Lil John and the Shins music videos. You know actually, that that Shins music video, it Simple Life. Yeah, or Simple it, Song. Simple Song. Th- that music video and song were huge for me when it came out. I think I was in high school probably. Oh yeah, that I mean those those two things rule together. Like the song's great and then the the music video is like real interesting. Yeah, yeah. I I just thought I put that out there. Very like nostalgic. Yeah, very formative. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. And I really I really liked that music video. I think I only absorbed the two like my freshman or sophomore year of college when they come out like 2012 or something. Well, 11. This is a simple song. But like I it, it's maybe like one of the cooler music videos I've seen. Same thing with Lil John. Very creative and very like kind of rapid and like bombastic in the way that it's shot and edited. It feels very music video y in a way that's it's really nice. The way that I watch those music videos, I just watched uh, everything everywhere the first time in the same way. I'm like, this is just one long music video. It's like yeah. super stylized, like the editing is really uh fast. It's almost like it's almost cut like uh like a trailer or like an ad. Like the whole movie is sort of cut like that. It's not slow at any point. It's it's rapidly trying to like get your attention even though you've been sitting there for like two and a half hours. So I think it's just the format I, I have a problem with in that long of a movie. Cause I think the the guys are really cool and creative with what they do, but like I just don't need that for like two and a half hours. Right. I think that's a big reason why it's yeah, it becomes so exhausting to watch. And that makes sense that they're coming from doing music videos. That makes perfect sense with just mm-hmm. grafting that onto what everything everywhere all at once is. I would imagine that Swiss Army Man is like similar, but like probably just worse than this movie right i mean i don't want to say anything without watching it first which i won't so i won't say anything <laughs> okay man have you ever seen that movie speaking of daniel radcliffe uh guns akimbo no do you know what that is i've at least heard of it it's like daniel radcliffe gets i forget exactly how it happens but he gets like guns like basically bolted to his hands like surgically just oh it's kind of gruesome but he's he he has like guns that are just permanently stuck to his hands now and he has to figure out how to i don't know do something I'm looking uh, at was, the poster for it it looks like there's nails yeah going through like, the gun nailing his kind hand. of like a gun stigmata thing going on but it someone recommended it to me i think it might have been like a tattoo artist that i was at and i was just like talking to him like while i was getting tattooed and i was like yeah I like movies you know that's one of my hobbies. And he's like, oh, you should check out this movie, Guns Akimbo. This movie rocks. So I was like, oh, and he, he explained the premise. I was like, okay, I'll check that out. And it's one of the few movies that I've, like, watched and just shut off. Like, yeah. I, I watched maybe, like, 30 minutes of it, and I'm like, I don't need to see the rest of this. I get it. I get what they're doing. I find myself doing that a lot more. Yeah, it's just like, you don't want to waste your time. Yeah. It's easier now too because there's just every everything is just so cyclical and how it uh references other styles and pop culture and tropes. Like the pool of media is so much larger now that it's just 
it's more and more likely that you've just seen whatever it is that they're doing in a movie before in some other form Mm -hmm. in a much more obvious form that old youtube video that's like everything's a remix you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah like there's something to that too where it's just like like culture is just like recycled but i think it's even more emboldened now how how recycled everything is just because it's just movies you know movies are like recycled movies whereas before they were recycled from something else there's just like nothing i haven't seen in movies before so i'm much more likely to turn something off that's true that's true and i do get that a lot more often now where i'm just watching things and i'm just i'm like picking it apart i'm like critiquing it just being a real grumpy old nelly about i think it's a watch now yeah i think it's like a combination of like us like getting older yeah and the fact that it's just stuff is just worse just objectively like it's not as good anymore it's i don't want to like be so grumpy that i'm just like oh back in like in my day when movies were good but there is something to that like the stuff did used to be a little bit better it's just the the actual good stuff is harder to find now because there's like an oversaturation mm-hmm. of everything sure so it's like there's too much stuff and i'm grumpier there's like two things like working against me when i'm watching uh-huh. movies now so let's let's see well let me just ask you is there anything like about the the movie that despite our real pessimistic takes on it that you want to talk about or anything in your notes that we didn't that we didn't discuss i mean like i don't even know how to approach it but there's so many great visual gags you know like a lot of the things that the movie does that are funny are pretty funny yes sausage uh, fingers the the rocks the rocks oh yeah the, yeah the, the yeah. when they turn into rocks yeah like, I a, lo- a lot of that works I agree. Yeah. It's funny. The The movie itself is sort of like an analog to what we were just talking about, about just there's just too much. The, the media landscape, like from a macro perspective, is just oversaturated. Uh-huh. And this movie is itself sort of oversaturated. Yeah, yeah, they, They're but trying like, to deliver on the concept of everything everywhere. Right. All at once. I will say that the gag of like the everything bagel like uh-huh. the ba- like the bagel is sort of this black hole it like represents all space and time or something and for some reason that creates like a a void i'm not really sure exactly what's going on but the bit ba- like it being like an everything bagel i hate that joke so much i hate that joke too yeah i hate that that's the joke that it's like it's an everything bagel, you know? It's like what millennials... I don't know. It's just weak. Yeah. I found a, a lot of the joke. humor just not... Just, like, not really being my kind of humor. Yeah. It is more, like, stupid humor. Yeah. And it's why it works well in, like, a theater place setting, right? Where it's... Uh-huh. You see the guy, like, jump over the cubicles to, like, get the butt plug in him so he can do his like weird like universe jumping thing Uh uh-huh like when you see the guy like slow motion like jump over the cubicles and he has no pants on and it's like blurred out and you see like the butt plug in the foreground like in a theater where you're like 
maybe a little bit buzzed and you're like with a bunch of your friends you're like losing your shit yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) but like you do that once and then the then the joke's gone Uh uh-huh and that's that's that second time watching it in your basement alone on a computer screen you're like who am i doing this for (laughs) yeah exactly you're not doing anyone any any favors so uh, that's i think that's the essence of a dumb joke is it like works once it's like uh it's expendable exactly exactly i have another note here uh, and this is this is a very particular thing for me that i find very annoying but like like here's just a quote this is the kind of thing that just drives me crazy here's okay. a quote everything is just a random rearrangement of particles in a vibrating superposition Okay. Get that quantum mechanics shit out of your mouth, you fucking heathen. <laughs> you don't know what you're like. That's, I hate that. That's so bullshit. Yeah. Whenever anyone tries to say something like profound combined with like quantum mechanics or like real in-depth like physics stuff, and the movie's clearly not coming from like a, like a scientific perspective at all, mm-hmm. it, it, it probably sounds like nonsense, but also it... To me, a lay person, like, it just sounds stupid. It just sounds like the movie's just using real-world language to talk about something fantastical. Yeah. yeah. And you need to understand that, like, that sentence is, like, there's meat behind it scientifically, but they don't know that. Right. They're just kind of repeating stuff. That, that's really, my like, my big issue with whenever something does something on like the concept of the multiverse, like that's a good example of one of these concepts. That's a marriage of sci-fi real science. And then like the culture, like talking about those two things and conflating the two. And so that just drives me nuts. Like when there's like a conflation between like shit, that's just fantastical and also like somewhat grounded in something. And then because the side of it, that's like the people that don't, know what they're talking about use like the seemingly backing of science to yeah. give credence to like their to like the sci-fi components of it that are completely unfounded yeah i i would say that this movie doesn't try too hard to like present itself as any anything like other than it is but what you're describing is certainly like a problem in like modern superhero movies that often uh-huh. involve like multiverse like premises in that case it it really does seem like the movie and the people behind it are relying on like real world like physics language to give weight to what they're talking about or to give like some kind of like real meaning to it because it's based in some kind of real perception of science Yeah, yeah that i think is stupid like if you're watching like thor the dark world and you have like this nuclear physics character that uh, is just reciting something that the director like briefly read on like Wikipedia. That's dumb. Yeah, that's uh, that's really dumb. It's a bastardization um, of, a, of a whole field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Um, and so it doesn't. This doesn't lean heavily into that. I mean, it really just like borrows some of these concepts which had been like brewing. I think outside it's, the context of this film, but it does I, use them and lean into it. It does. I I think that this movie it's more concerned with like sort of the pop part of like sci-fi multiverse stuff. I think that it made it makes the most sense that it came out 
in 2022 because you have like so many other like multiverse properties that precede this that like Uh the concept of a multiverse is just a joke now and so i think it is in a way like aware of the joke because you have things like marvel rick and morty shit like that but yeah it's just like the multiverse like as a concept in like popular sci-fi culture has really been like I would say played out at this point. And I think that I think the movie on some level is aware that it is like a played out concept. The idea of like infinite universes and them all having every uh, combination of things in them. It leans into that joke in the same way that Rick and Morty clearly does. And I, I, I don't know. I feel like in, on some level, the movie is like aware that it's, it's not doing anything original. I agree. That. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It it doesn't necessarily mean that it makes the humor like better or more enjoyable for me, but I do, I do think it understands what it's what it's doing. Yeah, I'd agree. That Rick and Morty episode with the multiverse, I like. I dislike it and like it. Well, they all have the multiverse in them now. Like the whole show is like the multiverse thing. Is that so? I think I'm like a season. Um, I well, I think the whole thing, like the backbone of it, is that it's all like infinite universes, and that. That's what really. Oh, drives. you're right about. It. You know what I'm? I'm thinking of specifically that one episode where like the screen keeps splitting. Do you remember the one? Like, oh yes, season one or two. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, Notoriously, kind of like not an enjoyable episode to watch. I, I think me. that one in particular was like playing on the idea of like it was the same idea of like branching realities, like it could yeah. go one way or the other. Yeah. Um, and I like what the episode did. Like the episode became very unwieldy because of that concept, that structure. Right. And I feel like that kind of like became the joke. It's like, Oh, it's just like, there's too many. This is hard to follow. And it took yeah. a long time to explain what this episode was going to be about. And now that yeah. we're experiencing it and the, we're in the middle of it. This is a, this is a great thing to bring up because I think that the, the movie that we're talking about also tries to do this that it it under on some level it understands like the idea of a multiverse infinite realities uh all happening at the same time is uh, ridiculous and therefore would be like hard to actually interpret in any sort of meaningful way so that's why the you said it like the movie like leans into everything everywhere all at once that's why the movie is just like a nonstop barrage of stuff and that Rick and Morty episode, it's the same sort of thing delivered in a different way where it's like an ununderstandable like barrage of stuff. And it makes the episode sort of not enjoyable to watch. But the, the episode is sort of okay with it being that. Like it sort of pre- it presents itself as like an unwatchable episode. You know, it has, you know, 48 different like squares uh, of simultaneous things that it's impossible to watch all at once in any attempt to try and do so or go f- frame by frame is just not a fun thing to do uh-huh. but i feel like everything everywhere all at once is sort of delivering you the same thing but it's presenting it as like entertaining it's like isn't this so fun to watch all of this nonsense stuff coming at uh-huh. you like 100 miles an hour yeah, yeah, yeah. non-stop like- what a it, feast it, on the eyes. You're looking at sausage fingers one second and a 
some rocks. Yeah, and like you love this, don't you? You like, love that's this, what, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what uh, that movie's saying. And the Rick and Morty thing is saying, like, this is kind of shitty, right? Like, you don't want to be doing this anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See how unwieldy this is? Yeah. You have, like, 48 boxes on the screen. Yeah. You know the funniest the- part of that episode was? When, <laughs> when Rick figures out that, like, what most likely his other version of him is going to try to do is to kill, you know, him. Yeah. So he decides that, like, I need to kill him first. <laughs> <laughs> they both come to this conclusion at the same time. They're just, like, shooting right. at each other. Right. That's too good. I feel like there's multiple jokes like that in the show. Where it's, uh, the Rick is, like, trying to anticipate the other, like, another Rick's behavior. Uh-huh. And, like, the same thing is happening on the other end. And so, like, the actual idea has no origin. It's, like, a, it's, like, a Terminator thing. Uh-huh. Where it's just this, like, infinite, like, loop of how people came to this idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that that's used throughout that whole show. There's a... I'm doing a rewatch of The Office right now. There's a gag um, where, like, Dwight's... For some reason, he's, uh, like, playing a fight with himself. And, like, the like Jim's egging him on. And the joke is that, like... Oh, right. Like, well, how are you going to defeat yourself, like... I think, like, Jim was playing Dwight, and Dwight was playing Dwight, and they were, like, play fighting. Right. And they are like, well, we're evenly matched. How is either one going to win? But Dwight's right. like, no, I he's will like, win. He's, like, punching himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is, like, a, that's a real similar joke. What made you start rewatching The Office, though? That's, like, sort of a separate um, question. No, just, Stacey, I think Stacy might have prompted it. Cool. Are you actually kind of going through it? Nice. We're almost through now. I, I think we picked it up because, like, are you aware of these extended episodes? Yeah. They have them on Peacock. Like the extra content in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like maybe four minutes per episode of extra content. Um, and so we were intrigued by that. So we started doing that. That's a good reason. Yeah. I and like the show's great. I, I love it now more than any other time I've seen it. Why is that? I don't know. I just really appreciate it. It's just like a very smart show. I love yeah. they do a great job of making the world seem real and having continuity. You know, things like having a, a piece of information from a season ago pop up yeah. in a very subtle way the next season. It is like a weird fusion of a lot of different things of like realism, um, really smart humor. Yeah, just good writing overall. And I think that that's part of, like, why it became an issue in my life and, like, a lot of people's lives. Is it because it represented, like, a form of comfort? Like, you could sort of live vicariously through that show. Uh Like, it it could sort of become your reality to some Uh degree. Where it's just like, yeah, like, these... This seems like a real situation. And these characters seem real. And so I feel, like, kind of safe just watching them. And the whole the whole show is like very safe and bright, so I think it was just a lot of people's like escape drug for a long time. Oh yeah, people just kept going back to it as well. Uh-huh. I think I could healthily pick up like an office episode or two now. It's like a, like being in recovery. Like you just What's the stay last up. time? So have you like had a moratorium on the office? What's the last time you've seen it? Oh, I mean, I the last time I saw it was probably like twenty. 17 wow yeah just because it's like uh it was like the only show i watched for years you yeah. just watch it and then you just restart it 
I can totally and, see how that would yeah. be the case. Like I'm, yeah. I could, I could restart it now and just like watch it again. Yeah, and it's just, it's a fun experience just watching that show. But you also realize like we were talking about wasting time earlier. You like get through your like third time watching the the office, and you're like, what am I doing? Like with my life. Right. Yeah. You it know? really does. It, it, it makes you ask those questions. Yeah. You're like, I just dropped. 120 hours in three weeks yeah it's not it's not good it's if you have any self-awareness at all you'll like curb that behavior pretty quickly i think yeah but yeah great great show i it's 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 i find myself just enjoying it very thoroughly to a like to a degree that's like concerning right it's like you do cocaine and you're like this is awesome why would i just not do this all the time (laughs) you know the characters are just so like well crafted and deep like i find myself like saying things about like the motivation of characters that's not strictly supported by anything that i see on screen but i'll have like theories about what a character is doing or what they're thinking yeah yeah and the sh- just take the show, everything into consideration the show lets you do that too and the later huh. seasons like the writing is so considerably worse that it breaks the immersion i think that's the biggest issue that i have with them yeah, that's that people so right. will do things, and you just find yourself saying like, "That would never do that." Like, yeah, a recent one I saw. I think I'm on season eight. This um, is after Michael left. After Michael leaves, that uh, some of the office people need to go down to the warehouse and like do some of the shipments for that day. Mm-hmm. And right off the bat, like Dwight takes one of the uh, like one of the the vehicles for the hauling forklift. things, the forklift, and drives it into a wall. Uh huh. And that's bullshit because Dwight works on a farm. He should be able to operate heavy equipment. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense that he wouldn't be able to. And so, and he's not incompetent. Well, a forklift is might be a little considerably different than farm equipment. Uh, I don't think so. I, I think it might be a little different. But I will say that what happens right after that, where he like drives it into a, uh, what does he do? He drives it into like a wall, like a, yeah. like a metal wall. And... He immediately just shuts the forklift off and like walks away. Yeah. Like he he just pretends like it didn't happen. And that doesn't seem like a very like Dwight move in right. my opinion. And that seems like something that's inconsistent with the character like in previous seasons. He yeah. wouldn't just like abandon the problem. What else so uh, tell me more about the season that you're in. I'm going to kind of like jog my office memory here. I'll uh. like partake a little bit. Let's see, let's see. So Andy became manager this season. I hate that. There was all of that I hate turnover that where it was like Joe as CEO and then Robert California came in. Now he's CEO. He made Andy manager. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like Robert California. I think that yeah, he's, he's a great like, character. I think yeah. he's like my favorite part of like the newer seasons. Yeah, 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 for sure. And then Andy went to go, like... And then it's a will-they-won't-they they with him and the receptionist, Aaron. That's right, yeah. Watch, yeah. Which I'm entirely disinterested in, and, like, the arc of that story is so weird and sort of unforgiving in some ways. I wish they wouldn't lean so much on, like, romantic, like, storylines. Like, I think... I felt, it... I felt like they just needed... They thought that they needed to have another Jim and Pam kind of arc to see it through yeah which is the jim and pam thing is like lightning in a bottle you just like can't recapture it and so i 
I do admire like the attempt, you know, I think that even they knew like the Jim and Pam thing was like special as far as TV goes. And they were just like, we just got to keep trying to see if we can get something like that to happen again. Right. Uh, Angela, Dwight, Andy. Uh, there's like Daryl, Val. That, yeah, exactly. Uh, like there, Yeah, there's so many kind of like B romances. Yeah. I mean, you have to, right? If you created like the most or one of the most talked about or important like fictional TV relationships as far as like serialized TV goes, you would just keep rolling the dice right hoping hoping that you got another another good one it's such a good tv romance though it's it's arguably the best you know i bet the real life actors that their real world relationships are undermined by the existence of this much more ideal perfect fictional yeah i mean it's like this weird thing where the fan base of the office like really wants like John Krasinski and Jenna Fisher to like be together. Uh-huh. Like they're, they like want to manifest like a fictional relationship, even though both of them are in very committed relationships. Otherwise they're like, no, like John Krasinski should be dating Jenna Fisher. That's just the way it should be. It yeah. makes them crazy. This is the kind of pressure that Royal families have had for centuries. <laughs> where it's like the royal duchess of of denmark needs to marry the prince from wales yeah that's so funny it's also like it makes total sense that our version of that like how the british monarchy's been obsessed over for like the last thousand years ours as americans would manifest in like a tv show yeah yeah you know it's no real people it's just like a tv show it's who we are so what did you say Andy had just become manager? What else is going on? Um and I feel like we're almost done. Like yeah, he went to go like get together with Aaron after a whole season of them not being together. Uh he drove down to Florida, confessed his love, they got together. He broke up with his ex. Well, let me let me ask you about this. This is just going to turn into like an office like hash uh, podcast, which already I already has. Which I I'm not I'm not complaining about. The problem, one of the problems I have with like Andy and Aaron's whole late stage relationship arc is in the beginning, they sort of tease it. I think it's even like pre Michael leaving possibly like teasing out, uh, their affection for one another. And it's like kind of charming in those episodes. Uh And then when Andy becomes manager, he like goes through this whole like rich kid arc of like dealing with his parents and his brothers. You like meet Andy's family. You like mm-hmm. dive a little bit more into his backstory. And he like pisses off to like South America or Jamaica or something for like months at a time. Like it, the whole office like gets mad at Andy because he he leaves. And he, like, goes to some, like, tropical region and just stays there for a while and kind of pretends, like, he's still at the office. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think that's coming up still. In my oh, opinion. really? I think, like, the actor, like, straight up takes a hiatus from the show, doesn't he? Like, he's not in the show for many episodes. Yes. But the, like, way, that, the... the way that they spin it is that he leaves. Like, uh-huh. he... And Aaron goes through this whole thing where she gets mad at him and the whole office is like mad at him because they see it as 
Andy sort of shirking his responsibilities. And ultimately, you know, Aaron and Andy do end up together. But they, like, go to great lengths through this device of him going to, like, a tropical region to really villainize him in a way that I think is just, like, not redeemable. So, like, Uh when he... When he goes through all this and everybody is mad at him, they bring him back and he goes, he does go through like a slight uh, crucible, like redemption period, but it is, uh, the punishment does not fit the crime. Like by the end of it, you're just like, this guy still sucks uh-huh. and he doesn't deserve to be with Aaron. So not only is it not as good of a relationship as the other lightning in the bottle one that we discussed, but it's like, it's not even a good one. Right. It's not even right. like a passable one. It's funny, Andy, like, because early on, do you remember, like, when the character was introduced, he was a very maligned and villainized character? Yeah, he had, like, anger issues. He's he had like, anger he, issues. He's straight he like, up a villain. He was straight up, like, trying to sabotage somebody, like, in a very big way. I think it might have been Dwight. And then they turn him into, like, this weird little, like, pipsqueak, like, artsy kid, like, by the end. Yeah. Like, he had straight-up, like, uh, like toxic masculinity stuff going on, like, in the first few episodes that he's in. And his, like, hair was, like, more buzz cut, so it, it kind of fit that more raw, violent side of him. Uh-huh. And then his, like, hair grows out a little bit more. He starts dressing a little bit more snappy, and he's this, like, weird, like, sheltered, rich, elitist kid. Yeah, kind of preppy. Yeah. Um, another point on Andy that I wasn't able to appreciate before, but just now that I like now that I'm older and I understand more things so much, I have I feel like I have a lot more context for the show. Yeah. Like just the fact that like Andy went to Cornell, um, comes from a rich family, but he works in this office, which is on paper beneath him. Yeah. And how that's just funny <laughs> in itself. Yeah. Yeah. I remember there's a later episode where you meet his parents and they like, you know, he goes to great lengths to um, throw this like garden party. I think that's the name of the episode. Garden party. Yeah. I just watched it recently. And his parent, he, he, the whole episode is built on Andy trying to impress his parents because he's recently been promoted uh, to the manager and he wants to like show them that he's worth something. Cause as you yeah. said, it's, it's beneath him. And there's, like, some something that happens where the the rest of the office, like, hears a recording or overhears, like, through a, fo- a phone. like Baby monitor. A, a, okay, baby monitor. A private conversation between Andy and his parents where he sort of confides in them, if I remember right, where he's like, I just want to, like, hear that you guys are proud of me, you know? Really just, like, earnestly asked for, like, I just want your approval and love or something like that. And his dad basically says, like, well, I'm not going to give it to you because you suck. Like, I'm not going to tell you that I'm proud of you when you, like, work at some paper company or, like, if, I, if I'm not actually proud of you. He spins it as this thing where, like, I'm not going to you know, tell you something that I don't believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, and I don't he, know what to tell you, Sud. Like, you're a manager, like, at a low-level, like, paper company. Like, I don't know what you want me to say. And it sucks so bad that, like, he was faced with that, like, from his own father. Uh-huh. In, in a way that you can't really appreciate with all of, like, the context of his, like, family and success. And also just, like, how 
pretentious rich people often are. I think that at the time when I watched that for the first time, I was like, okay, like, that sucks, but whatever, I guess. And now I watch it, I'm like, God, that's just as, what a horrible thing for that character really? to have to endure. Yeah. I, I'm more on the father's side. I'm like, Andy, like, you need to stop, like, you don't. You can't do that to your children, though, man. You can't, like... I I think from a practical standpoint, I am more on the side of, like... Yeah, like, what do you want me to say? But, you know, when your kid, like, comes to you and is like, I just want some, like, love and affirmation and, like, some sense that you're okay with what I'm doing and, like, to deny them that, that's just, like, cold. It's just cruel. Yeah. So... I do I do practically understand like the the standpoint of like the father but like just the the context of it's just so terrible. Yeah. I mean I certainly don't have like I I can't empathize at all with Andy and like trying to impress his parents because I absolutely like do not have that complex in me. But a lot of people do. A know? lot of people do. It's yeah. like an important thing to a lot of people to like be able to gain. It's like kind of a biological thing. I think also get, if your parent, if it's because it's a rich family and like they the are standards are even and even they have higher. certain yeah yeah, yeah. you yeah. hear about this like that that being a thing and kind of affluent families oh for sure pa- yeah. the parents are like they have high expectations they'll, they'll judge you like yeah they have high expectations they'll judge you they'll like they'll tell you if you're not doing well yeah they'll compare which you to your siblings if like they think they're doing better and they'll make you feel bad which is just elitism you know it's just like you like they're not everyone is created equal, like, in this, like, litter of siblings, and therefore you must perform. Like, mm-hmm. your family group becomes, like, capitalistic, which is yeah. just sick yeah. Yeah. and, like, horrible. But, yeah, it's a normal thing. Well, I'm glad I don't have to deal with that. My family's very proud of me, for the most part. Like, they're just, like, very yeah. happy. Um, yeah, my, family's, my family is also proud of me. I have another theory I want to run by you. I'm all, I'm all yours. When Michael leaves the show... Uh-huh. He kind of like takes on this very wise, self-aware air to him, which I think is demonstrated best by him giving Oscar this goodbye present, this like shitty scarecrow that he made, the scarecrow doll. Yeah. And Oscar's just like, oh, wow, thank you so much. Clearly uh-huh. doesn't like it. And then Michael yeah. is then it's a cutaway to Michael's. Yeah. Uh, He's like laughing, head. laughing his ass off. About yeah. 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 And he's, he's like, oh, like, I can't believe he just had to sit there and, like, accept the gift. And then he made a remark that Oscar has the lowest opinion of me of anyone <laughs> here. Uh-huh. What do you make of this, this Mike, like, this near-the-end Michael, where he's I, so much more self-aware than he has ever been on the show? I think that you're right in that it is certainly more of a thing right at, right at the end. Yeah. Because it, it, it certainly makes more sense if they're going to pack any more like self-awareness into the character to do it right at the end because of so much so much of what makes him fun is that weird adult childlike juggling act that he does throughout the show uh-huh. where it's like he has like moments where he's like completely lucid and he has these very like wise arcs with people where he's otherwise like a clown there's a there's like an episode that like leans into this where like Jim is becoming the manager. They're like co-managing. Uh-huh. And like Jim, you know, Jim sees the way sees Michael the way that we see him, 
and like everyone else in the office office sees him up until that point where he's just like a buffoon you know he's like a kid he wasn't socialized enough as a child and now he's really weird and he has a lot of weird complexes and in that episode the the company is like facing bankruptcy and going under yeah and the whole time michael is doing a uh, murder mystery game with the rest of the office yeah. it's some kind southern of like southern southern themed thing yeah and jim is increasingly getting like stressed out about like real time events that like will mean the company is going under or not or like they have jobs or not and he's getting increasingly mad at michael for wanting to play this game which makes sense it's like a serious time serious stuff's going on and towards the end of the episode like jim like pulls michael into the office he's like you need to fucking cut the shit out man like serious stuff is going on like what the fuck are you doing i'm paraphrasing <laughs> uh, with this game and michael is basically like you need to sh- you need to shut the fuck up because like this game is the only thing keeping these these people in this office sane right now uh-huh. so like it reveals and and jim very quickly like comes to his side he's like uh-huh. yeah you're right we need like this distraction because otherwise yeah. we're all just gonna go crazy Jim just needed Mike to see that Michael like was in fact taking the situation seriously in his own way. And so it it sort of pulls back the curtain a little bit to where like Michael might be a little bit more aware of what's going on more of the time than we, than we truly realize. It's not to say that he's not a total idiot, like in other parts, but like there are these real, like lucid wise moments that the character has throughout. And I think they just double down on that towards the end. They're like, this character is like aware in some ways. Uh And so we're just going to like show you some more of that right before he leaves because it, it makes the character more special. You want to hear my theory about this? Sure. I I believe like Michael is self-aware. He is less of a caricature of a person than he appears on camera. The reason that he does appear like such a caricature on camera is that he's essentially performing for the camera the entire show. Because every time we see him, because it's the document, he's reacting to the documentary crew. He's a person that always wants to be like the life of the party that like wants to make himself seem more so than he is. And in attempting to do that over and over again, he always kind of, like, comes off as ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of Michael as we perceive him. But, you know, and it's hinted at multiple times, but they're, like, I'm sure is a Michael that exists outside of that that mm-hmm. maybe looks a lot more like the, you know, the, the end Michael. A lot more self-aware, probably a lot more normal. Yeah probably less wacky and kind of over the top yeah i like i I think i think the co-workers like a lot of the time that uh, of the office scenes that we watch are thinking in their minds like my like michael is being weird because the cameras are here and he's saying things and doing things that he wouldn't do otherwise yeah and we can't call them out because we're also on camera yeah I, i i think you're exactly right and i have like an episode to like prove your thesis yes it's uh it's the date mike episode it's because that the whole premise of that uh sub character like date mike 
is that he doesn't come out until he realizes that he's in a situation uh-huh. like with with the other woman like they set him up on a date and they show the date like going really well and normal the entire time and then someone leaks to Michael that he's actually on a date without his knowledge and like he turns into a caricature of a caricature mhm and so like yeah you just you just remove that like one more step with the documentary crew and that's exactly what you're talking about yep he do, he only becomes that when he knows that like someone's watching yeah yeah i think you're right on right on crack the code so what's keeping you happy this week oh yeah this segment forgot about this man i've been uh replaying the far cry games okay believe it or not Um, nice nice then that new one came out like last year or two years ago Uh the one that has gus from breaking bad and i wanted to play it and so i was like you know what i'm gonna go revisit like the other ones just to like get my muscle memory back up to snuff and i like those games so i replayed far cry 3 and i'm currently replaying far cry 4 nice and then i'm, nice. I'm going to skip right to 6 cuz I, I don't need to revisit 5 great 5 is the one that we played right the one set in america yeah i think it's the worst montana yeah i think out of the 3 it's the worst one really three four and five it's the only one that i've played and i i remember enjoying it a lot i think it's good um generally but as it compares to the others i don't think it's as interesting nice so you should try for what it offers like what it what it has specifically that's different than the rest the idea of like a a military group in america kind of like going to town and like taking over and like that's what you're fighting against super yeah love that yes it is cool I, I think I just don't like the coat of paint that it has. Like it being like the mountainous, like in the mountains of Montana. Uh-huh. And like everybody's like kind of like mountain. And like the, the cult is all these like weird, like long hair, bearded, flannel wearing people. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be cool if it was set in like, I don't know, like the American South or like uh, like one of the coasts or something. You know, uh-huh. just like that area culturally, as it relates to like a uh, a militant like cult group, is just not interesting. I think they could have done a lot with like when they picked like America. It's going to be America, and it's going to be a cult. They they just had a lot of options, and they picked one of the less interesting ones. But anyways, uh, Far Cry. I've been playing a lot of Far Cry, and uh, Four is the one I'm on right now. It's set in like a fictional Nepal, and that's really fun. Have you started the new one yet, or are you still working your way? Still to working it? my way to it. Um, uh-huh. Which I've been a little slower these last couple weeks. I was actually supposed to play today. My time spent watching everything everywhere would have been Far Cry time. Otherwise, uh, I'll probably play it when we're done here. Honestly, nice, nice. But yeah, the I would like to get to six. I'd be interested to see what that one's all about. I need something new. There's also, like, a few games that are, like, on my list that I have not played, but am looking forward to. I Talking about, like, being totally exhausted by media and not finding anything good earlier, I'm not really ex- experiencing that same drought in video games. Okay, there's, okay. There's, like, a... Uh, I feel like there's still a healthy amount 
of games that I could replay or like new stuff that is coming out that I'm like very interested in playing. So yeah, that's still very sufficiently like a like a fruitful hobby and like well of media for me. Nice, nice. Yeah, I haven't been playing video games very much recently. I, I tried like subscribing to that Xbox Game Pass thing for a few months, which I like. Which the uh-huh. deal is that you just pay a monthly subscription and you can download new yeah. games. I played that a little bit of that game that the Rick and Morty people made. Which one's that? I don't know what it's called, but they they made a game. They they do the voices. Justin Roiland oh, I've seen that. It. It's like the the guns have like faces and stuff. Sure, and they, yeah. Like, talk to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. R.I.P. Man, Justin Roiland. Actually, not R.I.P. Just fuck that guy. What? Oh, he's canceled, dude. He uh, uh-huh. he like sent some like very sexually explicit like text messages to like a sixteen year old or something. Okay. I mean, yeah. I thought he died because he said R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. His <laughs> reputation. No, I, I heard vaguely about that, but not too not too familiar. What did he yeah. do? 16 year old yeah yeah he's a sexual predator wow man you know what i watched recently on the Mm. subject of sexual predators i watched that uh allen versus pharaoh documentary on hbo on woody allen that's interesting which if you haven't like for a long time like i've been like vaguely aware of like accusations against woody allen and stuff that he's done before didn't you like but it was all very fuzzy stepdaughter or something he did do that and yeah. that's what makes it so confusing because he did, did marry his stepdaughter, but that's not the thing that he's in trouble for. He did something else. He did something else. How um, long ago? Uh, in the nineties. Okay. Uh-huh. See this. This is interesting. It's sort of like a similar. I want to. I want to hear your take about this documentary, but it's it's similar to how I think about like the Michael Jackson stuff. Uh huh. Where it's like pretty notoriously this guy definitely like did some shady shit with like children and like now there's been like multiple documentaries sort of exposing that very thing and we as a society we are just kind of like okay yeah like if a person is sufficiently like in the past and uh, famous or well regarded they're just they're like almost untouchable I mean, it, it's different case by case, but like with seemingly Woody Allen and Michael Jackson specifically, it's like there's always been this sort of background knowledge about bad shit that they were doing, but no one really seemed to care as much. In Woody Allen's case, and the documentary lays this out pretty clearly, is that like he like proactively went on a kind of media campaign to muddy the waters. Okay. And that's exactly how it felt like um, growing up. And anytime I would hear about it, that's how it was perceived by me as a very like muddy issue. And there was a thing with like his stepdaughter that he married and then mm-hmm. other accusations. But yeah, the documentary lays it out pretty like irrefutable. It's irrefutable. That like something nefarious did happen. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? And, and it all revolves like around a, a very specific event like it was it's not the case that like woody allen was just continuously like abusing these children when he lived with uh, mia farrow uh-huh but there were like in um instances like throughout that relationship of him being weird but there is like one very specific day uh where it's alleged that like stuff happened okay 
um, which kind of makes it more concrete in a way. Right. Like, basically, he came over once to where his stepdaughters were and then took her up to a basement and, like, did stuff to her. And after that happened, Mia Farrow, the mom, like, took video of the kid and was, like, interrogating oh, the wow. kid. Yeah, um, there this were like, documentary baby... sounds really upsetting. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's super, it's crazy. Which, But I'm glad that, like, it, it's not super explicit. I mean, it doesn't, like, belabor the point about, like, the explicit stuff that he did. But it did give me, like, enough clarity and detail on it to, like, actually come to, like, a full understanding of what exactly is being alleged. Why did we start talking about this documentary? There was something that preceded this. Uh, because Justin Roiland? That's right. I said, speaking talking, of pedophiles. We were talking about video games. Uh, video games. You what's said keeping that you, me happy. You aren't playing as much these days. Yeah. And I, I am also having, like, the like the debate, which I think anybody that plays video games has, where you ask yourself, like, is this worth my time? Yes. Uh, could I be doing something else with my time? Um, right. You know, I have that, too. But, yeah, bottom line, just haven't been doing it very much. Yeah, I have that same internal debate with uh, like, is this worth my time? But ultimately, it's like a choice. It, it's weird. It's this like adult thing I've had to realize about like how I engage with video games. Because it used to be where I could just play a video game and it was like total euphoria because I had no sense of like how finite time is. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, if I did, I wouldn't have cared. Uh, (laughs) that's all right so now i have to like consciously like weigh like the importance of like my mental health and like how i get enjoyment out of things with like what i objectively should or shouldn't be doing Mm -hmm. so like i'm like you know what i enjoy video games so i'm going to play it for two or three hours and i'm not going to question how that time is being used that's yeah. my time that's that my... makes perfect sense yeah. yeah but you have to like say that to yourself beforehand as opposed to just kind of oh i find myself yeah i'm picking up the controller oh okay yeah you have to like have foresight into yeah. Yeah, your yeah. game playing time yeah what's keeping me honest you say yeah, <laughs> what what is keeping you happy or honest or whatever? Uh, I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks recently. Okay, cool. What kind? Because I think podcasts just kind of suck now. Yeah, it's hard to find good ones. Uh, I, I listened to a Keanu Reeves Smartless episode today, and they're just fucking phoning it in to a degree. Like I for I didn't listen for a very long time, and then this one just came out. Okay, and they sound so fucking stupid and like they're just like not putting any effort into it at all yeah they're also rich guys we talked about this where like we kind of fell off the smart list train where i did at least because slowly and i started to realize that they're so detached from reality those guys Uh uh-huh like they're just these rich celebrities who like also talk to rich celebrities and like they're trying to make a podcast which is relatable uh-huh and it's i would think that you would only become like more wise to that like the longer you listen to it yeah 
And it seems like they're tired of that also. Like, they're also aware that that's what they're doing. Okay. There's, like, a moment... This Keanu Reeves episode is, like, really quite fascinating. There's, like, a moment where, like, the conversation's just, like, not really popping off. It's not feeling, like, natural. It's not flowing. And then Mm -hmm. at a certain point, like, Will Arnett, like, comes in with, like, a new line of questioning. And he, like, purposely just, like, gets louder and, like, more playful in an attempt to just reestablish the energy of the interview which uh-huh. had just been petering out to that point but forest repertoire is not it's, it's not a good report it's not but yeah th- there's always somebody that's aware of that and it's funny to to feel when that happens because you just like feel there inside of their head going like oh this isn't going so well like i need to like get this back i gotta on track. fix this yeah. or the audience is going to start getting annoyed and i'm like here's yeah. a guy who's thinking about me at this very second that I'm listening to this conversation. Right. Right. And you should like, as a listener, you should like react to that positively. You're like, yeah, thank you. Will Arnett for getting this whole thing back on track. But you actually just like, that's so lame. That's so lame that that guy's like trying to have a good podcast. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. You can feel the production of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, audiobooks, and I should have done this a long time ago, but audiobooks oh, yeah, are a audiobooks. good way to go to replace podcast listening. Yeah. Because of the mentioned reason that like podcasts, I feel like we've kind of hit the, the Yeah, I the, think the I think the golden age of podcasts is over. Right, right. It's exactly. uh I I remember like a period in like the 20 teens where I would just look through iTunes podcasts and anything with like the NPR badge on the little thumbnail i was like i'll just listen to that yeah and just like follow all of those and they were like pretty good at least for the time and now it's like that's not a reliable way to look through podcasts and just all podcasts are bad yeah so i've just finished listening to so i've listened to a bunch of stuff and i do audible okay is it that's like a subscription right you just uh-huh. get unlimited stuff it basically gives you one free audiobook a month. Okay. Is More that about restrictive your, than you would think? Is that about your pace? Can you roll over like if you don't finish a book? Yeah. Like, okay. It's a little bit restrictive. Like I could listen to more than that. But I like that it sets the pace for me. Yeah. And in practice, I'm I do such a bad job of listening to the podcast while it's playing. Mm-hmm. That like what I did, like I I, I got obama's recent autobiography of his uh the recent one that he put out and i just like re-listened to it back to back because i'm like i missed enough stuff the first time through that i'm just gonna do it again nice (laughs) to fill it in i i was gonna ask you about that because my biggest issue with audiobooks versus podcasts is like whenever i'm listening to something it's usually like a something like a podcast it's usually my attention is split mm-hmm. with something else i can't i just don't sit and listen to a audiobook like you would sit and read a book yep so i probably get like half the comprehension that i would otherwise mm-hmm. in a way in a way that makes listening to audiobooks feel kind of inefficient whereas like if you listen half listen to a podcast it doesn't really matter yeah if you miss something it doesn't really affect your experience but it se- seemingly it could like in an audiobook so is that like 
an issue for you or does it do you just listen to them again like you do with the obama thing that's a good question i think it matters what you're listening to like the obama one didn't really matter that much like the absolute worst case scenario is like you're reading some fictional novel where there's a plot and if and if like i like a movie if you miss part of the plot you'll be lost for the later part of the movie Mm -hmm. but an autobiography especially for a president who i lived through all his terms and his book is basically kind of like going through his presidency you don't really have that issue and so it was fine in that case yeah, I think that's the bottom line. Like, just stay away from fictional narratives and you'll be okay. So, okay. I have a stay lot away of from fictional stuff. autobiographies, history, uh, this book called Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. Okay. That's like just a nice, it's just like explains the history of the human race from early, like pre-human ancestors through. That sounds you know, cool. It's good. It's good. It's a nice, like, that's that's good stuff to know. Yeah. All the milestones that we hit as civilization, like agricultural, like technology. That's great. It's like a, it's almost like a, like, social studies class, but one that you're interested in. Yeah, yeah. I think that this episode should be called, like, Everything Everywhere All at Once slash The Office. Uh-huh. The implication being we got too bored talking about the movie. I also like the title, Everything Everything Everywhere, is kind of what the recording has turned into. We've just been talking about everything. Yeah. But the, I like how the title is kind of like a dry humor. It's like you, you, you think that we would have taken something, like try to make a pun out of everything everywhere and mm-hmm. make it form into what the pet op pet the podcast episode has been but instead we just do that title slash the office yeah i want to give ourselves permission to like if we don't like the movie to either lean into that that we that we don't like it or be okay with we don't like it so therefore there's not much to talk about yeah yeah yeah. so like let's just talk about something else i'm okay with that too which is what we did because i don't think i could have like even had an hour of conversation about the movie yeah but- and as far as i'm concerned we, we talked about the movie so we can title it uh, yeah from the movie and we've done our due diligence due- i'm taking i'm taking i'm taking notes from uh your kickstarter sucks which is like m- the most frequented podcast i've been listening to recently uh uh-huh. because it's seemingly like the only podcast that just is not trying to do anything has like a very loose premise and it's just is just two dudes shitting around. But their whole like their the titling mechanic for how their podcasts work is so loose. Like they will mention the title once for maybe like a few minutes, like in the, the duration of their podcast. But certainly the whole podcast in no way revolves around the title. Yeah. It's just like a vehicle to like this is just this is just like one thing that we mentioned in this week's episode. But like, and I think that's fine. Don't think about it too hard. Yeah, I would love to have the the personality that like garnered that kind of like charisma in a podcast medium. You know, where it's just like people just tune in because I'm like interesting to listen to. They give a shit about like what I'm talking about. I'm just but gonna alas, be- <laughs> pretty boring. I'm just gonna believe that about myself. Manifest.
<laughs> Thanks for listening. Filmhole is produced by just us, myself and Raul. Our music is by W, that's underscore the word double and two U's. Get Filmhole wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like it, rate it. If you hate it, maybe don't. Thanks again. See you next time.